The reading is Isaiah, starting at chapter 1, verse 10, and can be found on page 686 in the Church Bible. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Thank you, Rosemary. I have read that passage a lot this week in preparation, and it never gets cheerier. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully. Uh, be scared. <laughs> um, this week I was visiting some friends, and like you do when you visit friends. You talk about all sorts of stuff from the day-to-day -day how people are doing to the big things in life. And we got on to talking about the Bible. And we were talking about how sometimes when we read the Bible, it's difficult. And sometimes when we read the Bible, it's a bit strange. And when we read the Bible, passages like this seem very bizarre. And we were talking about it, and my friend said, but you know, the Bible's dangerous. And I was like, dangerous? And he's like, if we actually took what the Bible was saying and wrestled with the passages, wrestled with them in their context and in our context and in the whole light of the Bible, then actually it would be dangerous because it would mean that we need to change our lives. It would mean that actually we need to live out this stuff, that actually it might hurt a bit for our comfortable lives. So you thought the passage was was hard, well, the preaching might be harder. It might be dangerous. Because I think as we wrestle with this passage, it actually means that we might need to get a bit uncomfortable. So before we dive into the passage, let's pray. 
God, we believe that you speak through your spirit, through this word that we have before us. So speak. Speak to each one of us individually and speak to us together. Speak through the words of my mouth so that our lives might go out into the world and show your love and bring your kingdom. Amen. So, we find ourselves in Isaiah this evening. Isaiah is a prophetic book. It's the biggest prophetic book in the Old Testament. Books of prophecy were books that painted pictures of visions that God gave to his people. They were painting pictures of this vision that God has for his people so that somebody would speak that and the people would listen. This book was written for Judah, which was the southern part of the land that God had promised his people. And what was happening at that time in Judah was that the rulers and the authorities weren't following the one true God. They were going their own way. They were deciding that they would follow their own gods. They were deciding what they would do and not hear the voice of God in their lives. So that is what this passage is speaking into. Our five verses that we have before us, if you have your Bible, we're just going to jump into those verses for a few minutes. It starts with this word, here. Now, what, we, what it translates for us is this word here and thinking here, here with your ears. I was doing children's ministry this morning and I'm sure lots of times I was like, hear what I'm saying, hear, hear, just listen, listen. But what this word here in the Hebrew means is hear and obey. Hear and obey. Hear with not just your ears, but hear with your heart as well, there being an action in this hearing. This word also, for the people who would have heard it, also would have spurred something of the words that were used in a court in the time. And this would have meant that they were kind of setting up, the prophet was setting up this scene of a courtroom. So what we have is the scene of a court with God in one box and Judah in the other box. And they're putting their case together and God is pleading, God is in this court scene. Just hold that in your head as we kind of go on, that this is what this context, that's what that word would have got the hearers at the time to think of. Our passage then goes on to say, the judgment of God over many things that the people were doing. The judgment was over their sacrifices, over their burnt offerings, over their attendance in the temple, over their offerings, their incense, their festivals, their prayers. And what God was saying was that he had had enough. He took no pleasure. They were detestable could not bear them, hates them, burdens, weary, wants to hide his eyes. 
So we have God in one box sending this serious judgment on the people about what they were doing. All of these acts of worship they were involving themselves into. I think what we can take from this, and I think what the two brush strokes that we can get from this judgment is one, that they were caught up in the wrong things, and two, that they were trying in some way to buy God's love. Firstly, they've been caught up in the wrong things. The act of corporate worship, the act of doing faith, the act of following Yahweh, of following God, was what was the center of what they were doing. Not in their life. So the acts of it, so the offerings and the prayers and the incense, they were all the things that they were caught up in. Not in the, do, in the being of faith. Not in the living it out. I look at my life. And if you were to look at my diary, you would see a lot of church stuff. I work for a church, I go to a connect group, I pray, read my Bible. There's a lot of church stuff in that. And sometimes I confess that I can get caught up in doing. I can get caught up in that being the center of my faith. And this passage and doing and even sitting with this for me has taken me time to step back and say, is that the center or is there something else? Is there another center? Is actually my relationship with Jesus the center? I think that's what firstly God was trying to say. You're getting caught up in the wrong things. You're getting caught up in the doings. And secondly, then God was saying, you're trying to buy my love. At the time, the um, sacrifices would have been commonplace. Killing an animal, doing something wrong, killing an animal, and then offering it to God. Sacrifices were supposed to be a response to God's love, not a transaction for God's love. And what was happening at the time is that people were sacrificing to have this transaction for God's love. So if I, if I kill another animal, you'll love me more. Another one, you'll love me more. You'll, you'll turn your face to me. But actually, sacrifices were supposed to be a response. They were never supposed to be something that could earn you more of God's love. They were becoming this kind of magical thing Go and do another sacrifice, see if God can reveal himself more. That was never supposed to be the reason for it. And maybe for us, the reason why we do things, the reason why we get caught up in church stuff, in doing good things, maybe sometimes we need to step back and question them and say, what's at the heart of what we do? Is it just the doing, or is there something more? Are we trying to buy God's love, or do we understand that God loves us fully? So our passage has these two points in it. 
The people were getting caught up in the wrong things and they were trying to buy God's love. Now, that is our passage. And I could quite easily wrap it up, go and sit down. And maybe that would be a good thing for all of you. You'd get home for Doctor Who, cheese and toast, an early night. But sadly not. Um, The punchline of this passage is in verse 17. The reason I believe for this passage and for this such harsh condemnation is because Verse 17 is so strong. Let me read it. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. When I imagine that verse and imagine that court scene and God standing in the box judging them, and then imagine I'm coming out of the box and coming down to the people and talking gently and saying, do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the fatherless, plead for the widows. God had made this judgment but was saying, actually, here's the heart. Here's what you have to be caught up in. Here's the invitation. The invitation is to be part of seeking justice, is bringing justice to this world, is showing others what I mean to you. Don't get caught up in all this stuff, in all this doing. Get caught up in doing justice. Get caught up in my heart, which is for justice which is for the oppressed, which is for the fatherless, for the widows. Do right. We are to be caught up in the fight for justice in the world. That's the invitation I think we have tonight, to be caught up in the right things, to be caught up in the seeking of justice. And justice is not everyone getting the same. Justice is for the needy getting help. Justice is for the person who has fallen down, for the person who is standing to kneel down and help them up. Justice is for the people who have the means to give to the people who do not have the means. Justice is giving a voice to the voiceless, Justice is for people who are comfortable, sometimes becoming uncomfortable. But I believe that in this discomfort, in the seeking of justice, is the sweet spot of worship, is actually where all these things make sense. Justice is in the small things as well. For me, I, this week, when I was with my friends, we watched um, a documentary about fast fashion. And I was thinking about a way that I could put this into action. And this documentary was talking about how fast fashion, so fashion that is 
cheap and accessible, and you buy one top, wear it once, and throw it out, um, is basically destroying parts of the world. And it was saying about how people in parts of the world, because of the huge need for cheap cotton and the, and the use of water for, to make cotton, is bleeding rivers and lakes dry so that people in villages have no water. Or the toxins that are in dyeing cotton are put in a water supply and are meaning that they have polluted water. <coughs> and I was thinking about how in a small way, maybe this winter, I don't get the winter coat I'm after, but I use the coat I already have. And how maybe I don't go shopping on a Saturday, but do something else. You see, seeking justice is in the small things, but in the small things, they lead to the bigger things. And in the seeking of justice, we get caught up in what God wants to do in this world. I also think the invitation is into the fullness of God's love. It's not into being in this transaction of God's love. If we just go to church again or pray harder, we'll get more of God's love. The invitation is in accepting that God loves us fully and wholly. And in that receiving that invitation, you can go and love others. That's the outpouring of it. Because all of these things, all sacrifices and festivals and praying are all great things. They were all there to make people fall in love with God more singing songs and praying and reading our Bibles and going to connect groups are all great things, but the purpose is for us to fall in love with God more so that we can show more people who God is and love more people. And that's the invitation. And I believe this evening our passage is only full when we read to verse 17. I think it only becomes dangerous when we read to verse 17 when we might need to become a bit uncomfortable, when we might need to submit to the fullness of God and accept that the invitation that we have this evening is to be caught up in doing justice in the world and is into the fullness of God's love so that we can be shores of that love in the world.